Welcome to this edition of Speaking Out. And we have to talk about the Russian-Ukraine conflict because it's very important. There are new developments unfolding. Biden, just moments ago, went on national television and uh, showed again his support for Ukraine, devoting 31 armed tankers to be sent along with what Germany is going to be sending. And today I read this from Zero Hedge, uh, the German chancellor or the foreign minister declaring war on, on Russia in so many words. And it, and it reads, contradicting this official stance, Baerbach said the quiet part out loud and introduced the comments with, quote, and therefore I've said already in the last days, yes, we have to move to defend Ukraine. Yes, we also have to do more also on tanks. And that's when she asserted, quote, but the important thing or the most important and crucial part is that we do it together and we do not blame or do not go to the blame game in Europe because we are fighting a war against Russia and not against each other. So I had seen briefly, and I haven't seen it since, but I have my TV on always on the news, and I thought I had saw a story where they were announcing that a Russian ship with nuclear potential, meaning that it could have a nuclear weapon on board, is uh, stationed or heading towards the mid-Atlantic region, probably just outside the boundaries of what the U.S. would consider its territory. So, again, you know, if you've been keeping up, you know, there's a there's an intense struggle going on. Uh, Zelensky is being essentially funded in more ways than we could count to counter his uh, pushback against Russia for invading their country 11 months ago. Russia asserts that it was invading for the for the sole purpose of taking back the eastern region of Ukraine because it is historically uh, and culturally more Russian. So that's been his position. The, the other caveat to this is that, and this is very important, and it does tend to get lost in the, in the conversation, but if you remember the very beginning of this when Joe Biden was running around telling everybody that uh, Putin was about to invade Ukraine, he was making the point because he knew that we, the West, NATO, had asserted to the Ukraine or the people of Ukraine that we would gladly welcome them into NATO, which would, uh, in effect, make them European, pro-Western, and not Eastern or uh, Russian in any way. So what it does is it basically allows... So let's say that that would happen, and and Ukraine is welcomed into the uh, organization of NATO, the North Atlantic Treaty uh, Organization, and now all of a sudden uh, Zelensky says, well, look, if you want to bring your weapons in and set up along my border with Russia, by all means, go for it. <clears throat> Bring them in, you know, because uh, now I'm with you guys and for sure I want to be protected. And that's exactly what Putin did not want. When when the NATO alliance was first drawn up, it was under the certain preconditions that the border would stay, uh, it would, there would be a buffer zone between uh, Russian Eastern Bloc countries and those of the Western European nations. So there would be this buffer zone for territorial reasons because once you have more NATO troops uh, along the Ukrainian border with Russia, you're that much closer to Moscow. You're that much closer to the major industrial cities. You're within striking distance, and that's what was Putin's main 
other main concern. And so it's important to realize that, not saying anything about whether what he did was right or wrong. Clearly invading Ukraine was wrong. Clearly, no question. What, what's happening there is be, beyond, beyond words, tragedy. But, but here's my point, which is that the United States and the NATO alliance should be, by at this point, I think, trying to set up a truce, ceasefire, get the diplomats in there, make some concessions, figure out, you know, like some have argued, you know, in an argument, find out what you can agree on and start from there. That's, that's where we're at. Because we, what we're clearly doing here is we're stepping closer to World War III. You know, first it was just give Zelensky money or give him weapons or both uh, and, and help. But it, it isn't. It's exacerbating because Putin, part of the problem here is that Putin is being funded by an unlimited ATM called energy. And that was only exacerbated. We only made Putin richer when Joe Biden cut off Keystone Pipeline. That's the direct connection. Because when the United States stopped being an energy producer, it made Europe more dependent on Russian energy. And it also drove the prices up because with less people producing energy, that, of course, the, the law of supply and demand. You still have the same a number of people who need that energy it's just now the West is not in the game. The West is not putting its energy on the international market. And that causes stress. But it also makes Putin more wealthy because he obviously is supplying a lot of the energy to European nations. So we, we in, on both fronts, we're funding this war. This is what I try to explain to people. You know, we're not only funding the war through Raytheon and Lockheed Martin and the billions of dollars and contracts that they're getting, paid for by the U.S. taxpayer, to create these weapons for presumably our own military, but now we're giving them, to, oh, not giving them, we're, we're giving them to Ukraine, but Ukraine's going to have to pay us back. We haven't quite figured that out. I don't know the details on that, but Ukraine is not going to get out of this without owing something to the United States and Europe. And so this is where we stand. We're funding the war on both fronts. And, and how we got into this mess is unbelievable, but it's, but nobody wants to talk about that. We're just in a position where all we want to do is continue to fund the war with the hopes that Putin will just, re, you know, resign, turn, turn away and leave with his uh, tail between his legs. And does he strike you as someone who, who is all about that? No. And so the question remains, would Putin feel enough pressure from the international community where he would consider using a nuclear weapon. So it's it's the modern-day version of the Bay of Pigs. At what point does Vladimir Putin feel that he has nothing uh, left to lose? Because he knows that when this war ends, there's going to be the post-war Russia. And who knows how that will be. Maybe they'll just be a pariah state, and none of the Western alliances will want to deal with him. And then over time, that'll soften, and, and then we'll, our wounds will have healed from war. And maybe at one point, you know, decades, maybe half a century later, Russia will somehow succumb and culturally embrace the West or not. You know, right now they have plenty of friends they can rely on. Iran, anybody basically who hates the West is now a friend and has been for a long time a friend of Russia. But now they're even closer. We've pushed these, these, these despot nations closer together. 
through the idea of a common enemy, which is the West. And so this is where we stand today, and a lot of people, rightfully so, are nervous because there, there seems to be a lack of statesmanship in all of this. There, there's no need for us to talk about a ceasefire or a truce or to determine what it would take to get to the table and negotiate a settlement of some kind so that we can de-escalate what's happening right now. Better heads need to prevail in this one. That is for sure. Hey, check out my website, jimwatkins1.com. Always there, always available with news and our podcasts, of course. Share these podcasts across all platforms, and we'll see you next time. Thanks for stopping by Speaking Out with Jim Watkins.